0: Dedicated missionary service returns a dividend of eternal joy which extends throughout mortality and into eternity. I want it absolutely clear that I declared to the world in the most straightforward language I could summon that the Book of Mormon is true. True disciples of Jesus Christ are willing to stand out, speak up, and be different. If you're not a full-time missionary with a missionary badge pinned on your coat, now is the time to paint one on your heart. God has something unimaginable in mind for you personally and the church collectively. A marvelous work and a wonder. In this church, what we know will always trump what we do not know. Missionary work is an identifying feature of the church of Jesus Christ, of Latter-day Saints. Always has it been, ever shall it be. Let us be awake and not be wary of well-doing, for we are laying the foundation of a great work, even preparing for the return of the Savior. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Mission Prep Podcast. I'm really glad you guys are here. If you are enjoying the podcast so far, please leave a rating and a review. As long as you give me a 5-star rating, then I give you permission to say whatever you want in the review. It's okay, you can tell me that I just need to stop and do something that I'm actually good at. There's plenty of room here for the haters too. I don't discriminate. But for real, the best way to get this podcast out to other preparing missionaries like yourself is by you guys leaving a rating and giving an honest review. So please, don't be shy and help a brother out, will ya? If you are new here, my name is Jaron, and I am a return missionary. My purpose for being here is to help facilitate a conversation between me and you guys, and between you guys and other preparing missionaries around the world. To do this, I've got an email that you can write into me at with any of your questions, requests for mission stories, advice that you have to give to other preparing missionaries, where you are serving if you have a call, or whatever it may be. That email is missionpreppodcast at gmail.com. When you guys write in, I'll share it here on the podcast, and we can create our own little missionary community. Other than that, something else that I do here is give a little of my own advice to you guys in the form of gospel insights and personal experiences. While this is called the Mission Prep Podcast, that does not mean that this is going to be like another Mission Prep class. So please, go to Mission Prep Class. And if you need a little something extra throughout the week, well, that's what I'm here for. So there was a question that I had for a long time on my mission that, up until I was already on my mission, I'd never given any serious thought to before. And maybe it's something that you've been wondering about yourself. In the previous episode, I briefly went over what your purpose as a missionary is, and maybe answering this question will give you a better idea of that purpose as well. So let's get into it and see where it takes us. In the preface to his book of commandments, the Lord tells us that through the prophet Joseph Smith, he would establish the only true and living church upon the face of the earth. So what exactly did he mean by that? Anyone who has ever been to a fast and testimony meeting has undoubtedly heard the words proclaimed from the pulpit, I know this church is true. As members of the church, we have coined this phrase. But what do we mean when we say the church is true? I feel that the truth and power behind that claim is frequently forgotten due to its almost habitual use. So, in my effort to ponder what these words really mean, I hope that I can help bring back the significance of this claim to anyone who may feel the desire to proclaim this truth from their heart, especially you future missionaries. For someone who belongs to a different faith, it may appear that when we declare that this is the true church, that we are implying that they are wrong. It might even appear as an attack on their beliefs. At least, that is how I might feel in their shoes. I think for the most part that we all know what we mean when we bear testimony of this, but often it is difficult to describe things of eternal significance in our flawed language. And because of this, false assumptions and misunderstandings may arise. I mean, to someone who knows nothing of the church or even God, phrases or words like the Holy Ghost, ordinances, the sacrament, the restoration, the atonement, or the plan of salvation won't make any sense to them. These kinds of things just have to be explained, and even then, it is often difficult to do just that. One good example of this could be how we explain what it's like to fill the spirit. Often we will say something like, There was a burning in my chest. But we all know that isn't literal, and doesn't even come close to really explaining what it's like to fill the spirit. That's just the best we can do when simply trying to use words to explain something that is beyond words. Even trying to explain what salt tastes like without using the word salt is difficult, if not impossible. The Prophet Joseph Smith often lamented his inadequacy to express all that he had experienced and envisioned throughout his lifetime. In his inability to recount how truly glorious his revelations were, he describes our way of communication as the little narrow prison of language. So, it's a good thing that the Holy Ghost plays a part in gospel teaching and learning, otherwise none of us would get anywhere. Words are powerful, but feelings are even more so, and that's the way the Spirit rolls. Remember that it's the Holy Ghost who brings understanding to the hearts of others, which is a truth that I'm sure the prophet Joseph understood perfectly. He knew that no matter how eloquently he could describe his personal experiences with the Savior, he would still need the Spirit's help. And it is only when we seek understanding through the Spirit that we can truly recognize what these words mean. And I believe that even though the Spirit is the real teacher, God would still want us to strive to increase our ability to teach messages of eternal truth the best way we know how. This increased ability comes as a result of increased understanding, which is my motivation for pondering the words, the only true and living church, proclaimed by the Savior in this dispensation. So now that we understand a little bit why this phrase might be misleading to some, not because the phrase isn't true, but because words often fail us, let's try to clear up the haze a little, shall we? Now, if someone asked you, why do you Mormons say that your church is the only true church? You might have a long list of potential responses, first of which would probably be, Well, we aren't Mormons, we are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Because as you know, the whole Mormon thing is so old school. I digress. If you still have this person's attention, your next reply might sound something like, well, it's because it has all the truth, or because its organization is perfect, or because it has all the answers. Unfortunately, for the sake of time, these are usually the answers we give, but they barely skim the surface of what the Church is actually intended to be. Not only that, but they set up premises about the Church that just don't hold. In reality, we don't have all the answers. There is so much that God still hasn't revealed to us. And the church is full of imperfect people. So we have to define what the word true means in this context. Usually when we think of the word true, we think flawless, which obviously isn't a characteristic I think any of us would use to describe the church or its processes or especially its members. I think most of this is pretty obvious to all of us, but for some reason, it always comes up whenever the critics have anything to say. Jeffrey R. Holland put it best when he said, Imperfect people are all God has ever had to work with. That must be terribly frustrating to him, but he deals with it. That being said, we can't say the church is true on the premise that the organization is already perfect, and that the prophet makes all the right decisions, and that God has given us all the answers, etc. But simply, the real meaning behind the word true has to be brought forward. Thankfully, the Lord uses the words true and living, which I believe was purposely crafted to bring clarity on how we should define true. In this sense, it brings to mind phrases like, the aim is true, or it's following a true course. As we look throughout history, this definition seems to fit a lot better. For anyone who knows church history knows that the church has gone through a lot of growing pains. Just like all of us, it's an ongoing process in which perfection is pending. In other words, not only is the church true, but it is also living, and living things grow. It's growing and changing based on the needs of the people. As we all know, the doctrine and the fundamental principles of a church, as the Lord has revealed, will never sway. But that's not to say that there aren't always ever-improving ways to implement gospel principles into our personal lives, as well as the church as a whole. A perfect example of this is the recent revelation that the prophet received about how we can better implement gospel learning in our homes. As you may already know, this resource is Come Follow Me. Because we as individuals and the church as a whole are changing and growing, so too are church policies and procedures changing to help us better live the gospel. In this sense, God allows us to figure out how best to follow Him and keep His commandments, which leaves us room to grow and improve under His direction, as individuals and as a church. Simply put, the church is true not because it's perfect, but because God authorizes imperfect people to take part in His work. The work of perfecting us. This process of achieving perfection has to include all of us working together in a unified effort toward the same goal. He grants us His authority and He guides us so that as a church we cannot be led astray. Just like us, the church is living and growing because we as its members constitute its body. It follows the right course because God is at the helm and He is the only one that can navigate us through the stormy waters of life. I fully believe that we all, in a way, Whether we are Christian, or Muslim, or just a person trying their best, are moving the work of the Lord forward when we simply seek to do what is right. We all have a part to play whether we are a member of His church or not. You serve His purposes when you are kind, and when you serve those around you, even in the smallest way, or when you work at becoming a better person by the small, incremental decisions that you make every day. Anything small or large that you do to make this world a better place, and you do a much better job at that than you may think, defines what His gospel really is. It is everything that is good, This good is found everywhere. It is found in the truths taught by many religions around the world. It is found in the smiles and the kind gestures you give. It is found in healthy connections between friends and family and even strangers. It is found in the many inspirations that have led to the great advancements in technology which improve our daily lives. I mean, these are just a few examples of the things that make up the gospel. And the church is here simply to help us live the gospel the best way we can. I hope that this has brought a greater view on how God does his work and how he can use all of us if we are willing to make this world a better place and prepare the world to meet him again. There are certain things that must be put into place for imperfect beings like us to do certain aspects of that work, such as performing saving ordinances or teaching his gospel with his authority. That is why the church exists, to allow imperfect people to work towards creating a perfect world. Such a lofty goal can only be done with God's help and must include our own cooperative efforts. I echo the words given by Dallin H. Oaks when he said, I remind all that we do not believe that good can be accomplished only through a church. Independent of a church, we see millions of people supporting and carrying out innumerable good works. We see these works as a manifestation of the eternal truth that the Spirit giveth light to every man that cometh into the world. May we all remember that as brothers and sisters, missionaries and investigators, we are all God's children, and we are all in this together whether we are a member of His restored church or not. It is my testimony that he has restored his church, and I believe that anyone can find that truth if they are looking for it. In his concluding words given in the Book of Mormon, the prophet Moroni promises all of us that, "...when ye shall receive these things, I would exhort you that you would ask God, the Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if these things are not true. And if ye shall ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it unto you, by the power of the Holy Ghost. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, you may know the truth of all things." The title page further concludes that Those who gain this divine witness from the Holy Spirit will also come to know by the same power that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that Joseph Smith is his revelator and prophet in these last days, and that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the Lord's kingdom once again established on the earth. Such bold promises require that we ask bold questions. To these questions, God will give what will seem like bold answers in a world where it seems almost impossible to navigate between truth and error. It is his desire to bless us with the answers that will help us find our way through the haze that surrounds us. All that he asks is that we give him our trust. If we do this, we will discover that he is a perfect parent who will give us the perfect answers at the perfect time. So then, what does all this mean for you who are preparing to serve a mission? Well, I would hope at least that now you won't go around telling people that they need to be baptized because the church has all the truth. Or that its organization is perfect, or because every decision the prophet makes is inspired by God. You need to realize that even though that this is the true church, that doesn't mean that other religions don't have any of the truth. In fact, many of them have quite a bit of it. So this means that you don't need to go around trying to destroy what other people have so that they can accept the gospel. You're simply there to build on what they already know. And yes, sometimes this includes correcting some misconceptions that they may have, but you might be surprised by how much of the gospel most people are already trying to live. Yes, an important part of your purpose is to teach truth. Your investigators will need to understand why they need the restored gospel. But that's really just the means to the end, which is receiving saving ordinances through Christ's very own authority so that they can be cleansed from their sins and truly experience His power and peace consistently in their lives. Thanks to all of you who have come along with me on this journey. I get excited and hopeful when I think about all the great work that you will be doing in the near future. Remember that the church is true, and never forget all that that entails. I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Peace.